Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Dash America, where we bring people from all different kinds of cultural backgrounds and people who have different relationships with their cultural background to come together and share their stories. My name is Hubert Silva, and today, in honor of Pride Month, we brought some friends from the LGBTQA plus community to talk about their experiences about, you know, both being queer and POC. Uh, why don't we go around the group, kind of name, cultural background, and I guess the sexual identity, gender identity that you identify with. Hi everyone, uh, my name is JP Moraga, and I go by As You See Me, so I'm non-binary, gender non-conforming, and queer, you can do that, so every day you'll probably see me in a different outfit, so whatever you see me, and I always go by that. Uh, my name is Peyton Emery, I uh, also work at Akin. Um I am half Filipino, half American. I am queer in terms of both genderqueer, um, and I prefer pan over bi, um, but I just say queer because then it refers to both my gender and sexuality identity. Yeah. Uh, I'm Arjun Dawan, and I was born and raised in Dubai, but I'm Indian, and uh, I'm, I'm a gay man. Fantastic. And the winner of this podcast wins a one-year supply of Anastasia Beverly Hills Comic <laughs> at $100,000. Oh, yes. And the crown. And the crown, obviously. <laughs> There's a crown. <laughs> Don't check on the diamonds if they're real. Um, I, if to start a discussion, I guess, considering the way the world is right now in the past, I guess, half year... I'd love to gear the conversation more towards kind of the celebration of Pride, um, who we are as queer people. So in terms of, I guess the right term would be sexuality and gender, is there a specific moment where your mentality shifted or an important moment where you thought this is Pride, this is what it means to be prideful of, at this moment in this conversation, you know, of your gender? So like if I were to give an example... It was the first time, I think it was last year's Pride. I went to my first Pride last year. I went, this is my second time, but the first time I was like 18, 19 and a little shit. And I was like, oh, I'm not like these guys. But this is, last year was the first time where like these, I'm with my people. And that was an important shift for me. Does anyone have like a moment like that? Mine will probably be, but uh, uh, first let me say that, you know, I moved to New York 2006. And I believe around 2008 when I started discovering more of who I am by going out in the club scene, I would say I was like a club kid moment where I just like picked out any outfit from what I saw, even a curtain or whatever, and just like made a design out of it. And I would go to these parties that they had. They had Greenhouse back in the days. It was just like Studio 54 where I realized that was like your true authentic self. And I, I mean, you will see me in high heels and like a makeup look and a corset and just like, this is where, you know. And now, where we, I see myself is just this gender fluidity and I, you know, that was by night. Now I can like live on it in the day. So I would say that moment around 2008 where you're just like, this is my true authentic self. Yeah, I would say my moment is also like when I got to New York. Um, so I grew up, I grew up in California, like Bay Area, moved around a lot for like 10 years, and then I started, I moved abroad, I was in Hong Kong for two years, and Bangkok for five, and 
while I was in a very ethnically and culturally diverse group of people, we all kind of had the same mindset. And I wouldn't say that my school, my high school was um, kind of against the LGBTQ plus community, but it wasn't like super gay friendly. And so it took me like coming to New York for university to be able to like finally be comfortable with who I was um, because living in Asia, I would constantly get misgendered and it would really trigger me because mm. I felt that I had to go against them because I thought that they were wrong for misgendering me because clearly like I looked a different way and like I had shorter hair and like I didn't look like your stereotypical female but I also didn't look like your stereotypical male so mm. I was like very thrown um and I would get so triggered by people calling me him or he and then I would push myself farther and farther away from like reaching my true identity and so it took me coming to New York and being around people who were okay with being whatever for me to be like happy with myself Mm. yeah yeah I, I mean I think I agree too I mean for me too it was coming to New York when I came to New York it was the first time I held hands with a guy in public so I mean, coming here definitely uh, made me feel included. But I think, I think I, I can just think I can think of like one massive instance was just a year after I'd moved was the year uh, gay marriage got legal, and the morning I woke up and gay marriage was legal. Like, and I was with my boyfriend at the time, and just he called like that was my first call of the day, and like it was tears everywhere. It was like you know, and it was just the weekend or week before. Pride in New York too, so going out that weekend and then just like dancing in the haze of Stonewall to Dancing on My Own by Robin, you know, just like <laughs> nothing made me feel more included <laughs> than that. Yeah, that was that was a good experience. <laughs> also, I mean, to go back to it, and then I know I love that New York has always been such a, a high point in all our lives. That's mm-hmm. what I'm Literally just saw that. But as an immigrant. When I, I was looking at my videos back in the days, and my brother literally transferred it from DVD to whatever, he's a genius in that. <laughs> Technology. What I can do. And I was like, oh my God, this is us back in the days. And, and you know, because my parents got here first, and we were raised by my grandparents, so we would always have little camera parties, and when they're visiting, um, my aunts and aunts, they will take videos. And I saw myself in my truest, authentic self, and just like Madonna would be playing, and then I would just like say hi to your mom, and I'm always just be like, and I was, and everyone <laughs> in my family I realized like, y'all supporting me no matter what, and this was in the Philippines, you know, I would wear like a short and wear one side of it, and make it like a tulip, a tulip skirt, mm-hmm. and I would just walk around the house, and they just like, there's JP doing his thing. And not until I got here, I think, within the patriarchal system of what it is to be a male or a female, too. So that's another instance that, like, really popped in my head. Yeah, yeah, really yeah. It's, it's great to think, because, like, I have a situation, oh, not situation, a story like that, too. Like, there is a picture somewhere in my house where my mom dressed me up in makeup, and I had a fabulous little summer hat, and, like, I was also, like, seven, and then when I came out, she was like, how did this happen? I was like, well, it's obviously your fault. But, <laughs> but, my favorite, but JP made a really great point. Like, it sounds like all our stories are from, from sort of like a migration story from one place to another. Yeah. Um, and it comes to this question that I was looking at about, you know, navigating 
I guess, the inside and the outside of who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, do you find yourself... Since, I mean, since the podcast really is about um, culture identity, you know, do you find yourself navigating one part of yourself a little bit more than the other? So the question is, do you find yourself navigating your queerness more than your, you know, I guess we can say brownness right now? Or do you find it, you know, in a positive way, negative way? Like, so in my instance, I still have issues with, like, looking... I, I enjoy, that's a horrible way to say it, I enjoy mm. passing, but, you know, if you look at my, the way I dress, you know, though my favorite joke is you can never tell I'm gay until I start babbling, mm. and so at times, especially now, I like using my cultural identity, I guess, more to identify myself. It's only during, I guess, Pride Month and blah, 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 is when my queerness starts to come out. Um, do you find yourself, any of us, have, like, negative, positive, I guess, relationships with how they navigate or bring out one part or the other? Or do we have, like, no, you know, apprehensions to it? And that's, like, a great thing as well. It, it's been a journey, literally, being being here, you know, since I moved. But have, uh, have you guys seen Lion? Mm-hmm. With Dave Patel? Yeah. If you, I mean, that uh, that's another one that kind of, like, really hit me because yeah. it's about his story of navigating who he is as a human being being lost from one country and then being transplanted to Australia and figuring who he is from deep down as culture as as a human being so for me it's been it I felt like I live now where I am of my pride every day it's a struggle especially in the, in the gay community within New York City because there's a lot of assimilation of what it is to fit in, to find love, to find work, but how you would look. Mm-hmm. And you know, so I always just say, I mean, I still follow today what RuPaul says in her book, um, uh, we're all born naked, the rest is tragic. And in terms of your masculinity of what it is that means to be passing. And I've, I've experienced that and I've always felt not great because it's like oh I, I can't find love because I'm not masculine oh I won't be able to like, and, mm-hmm. and that's just because we're in this little bubble of what it is and then you travel to a different country or something and it's just a different way of looking at it and that's when I started like okay every day I have to remind myself you gotta live to your truest moment yeah. I don't know if I'm answering your question no oh, yeah 100% well, I, I just want to actually talk about the word passing yeah. like I feel like that's it is, it is a word from our community, not from the straight community. And it is almost derogatory to, to, the, to the males of, the, of our society that are, that are choosing to somewhat fit with the heteronormative ideals, which is kind of wrong too, I think, because yeah. I feel like mm-hmm. uh, it's to call another gay man, like, you know, like looking down at him because he's passing and not as open and free and femme as as someone else maybe in the community is also like not this not equal right yeah right yeah i don't like i i i i enjoy passing too and it's great but i you know i question if i sometimes am i am i as big part of the community but like I'm doing an injustice yeah yeah. I, 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 yeah am i doing my part but you know i i'm a big part of the gay community and we're here so like what yeah what is why why do we why do we 
why do we discriminate within ourselves too? Yeah. I don't know. That was just the right answer. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. No. Totally okay. I think it's through dialogue like this and for people to hear it, and 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 I think we still get stuck in our own insecurities of what it is right. to mm-hmm. fit in within specific genre or whatever that is. I feel like we're yeah. romanticized so much. And I've always felt myself as a chameleon to a point where, okay, I can do that, I can do this, but, and, and that's when I get like, wait, what is this, you mean I need to be that to find love? Oh, I need to be that to book that? Oh, you know? Mm-hmm. But, yeah. But it's an ongoing conversation. I think that, I don't know, like, growing up, I really only saw the, like, gay community as, like, not one-dimensional, but, like, maybe three-dimensional, you know? Like, it was a very cookie-cutter way of living your life, and, like, now I see it more as there are so many different ways that you can express yourself, and this is arguably one of the most fluid ways to identify yourself that you can. And so I think with that, it is kind of hard to find, like, a very solid way to identify yourself in this community. Like, Mm -hmm. with myself... Um, I really just came out this year. Um, and so that was... Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, girl. Like, literal, like, a baby gay, just kind of figuring shit out. And so for the longest time, like, I didn't really know how to identify myself. Because even, like, growing up, I didn't really identify myself culturally as Filipino because I was half and, like... Mm -hmm. I never really had that traditional Filipino or American household because I was mixed and I was living abroad, not in the Philippines either. Um, and so I didn't find my cultural identity till I got here. And then like a few months later, I finally am getting way more momentum with my queer identity. And so like right now, I, I feel way more grounded in my cultural identity because you can see it. That's not really something that I can hide. Um, though then there is like white passing which is for a different podcast <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing that's a whole but no but yeah 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 and so now that I'm here I don't really think that I can like I feel like people already assume that there's something different about me that they can't categorize in terms of my queer identity and so mm-hmm. I don't think I'm passing because people they don't know what I am so they try to like have a nice Safe zone, neutral, the neutral. Yeah, Yeah. they just kind of like skirt around it. And now you have to go forward with like saying my pronouns, saying what I identify with. You know, people don't really put me into that box because they're just like, the box is broken at this point, especially Mm -hmm. in New York. I feel like if I I like that term, it would not be like that. I like where Payne was going, um, this idea of sort of balancing between like her cultural identity and her like uh, I guess queerness um let's kind of gear towards you know stories we have about moments that you find your queer and your cultural identity heavy on culture to if anything like that has ever happened to you so like for me I remember I've, I went to the Philippines this past year mm-hmm. and it was the first time I went to the Philippines like out like very open and out and everyone was cool about it. Like, not like, not like in a cool... Everyone was, like, really awesome about it. You know, old friends from the block. They were chilling. But I found myself teaching them a lot of terminologies that they've been using wrong. Mm-hmm. So, I guess this is a culture conversation in language. 
I had one of my homegirls, she's always being like, in Tagalog, oh, ang guapo ka naman, ang sayang, which means, you're so handsome, what a waste. Wait. Mm. <laughs> mm. And for them also, the terms for someone being gay and not gay, there isn't, the Tagalog word for gay is bakla, but when you're saying in a conversation, it's lalake or babae, which is guy or girl. And technically, to them, babae ako, but I'm like... Yeah. So have you found yourself kind of in these weird areas when you're in, I guess, your cultural spaces? When you're in a space that's culture-heavy, that where you find yourself defending or getting pulled back or needing to fight the, your kind of two world? Because an important like, term, I guess, that has really come up in, the gen- in our generation in taking control of our identity is intersectionality. And like I recently fell in love with that term. Mm-hmm. It's just like this idea of like we're all made up of different parts we're not just one thing mm-hmm. so have you found yourself ever in a one in a space that is for your culture i guess where you had to like bring in the queer part um i guess just because like i just came out to my family like super recently my parents were the most supportive people like way more than i could have ever asked for i like the way i came out to my mom was so funny just because i was like I had a really bad day and she texted me really late at night which is bizarre because she goes to sleep at like 6 p.m um she was like hey like I just had a dream about you like are you okay and I was like actually no like my life is falling apart like I just like listing all these things and I was like also like I'm gay like more things and she was like okay that's cool like and I didn't want her to make a big deal about it because it wasn't that big a deal to me and like it was just so casual and it was literally over a text and then I called her the next day and we were talking about it and then my dad was, like, in the car, and so was my younger brother, and so, like, they got to be part of that conversation. And since then, my dad is always just, like, clarifying with me, like, my pronouns clarifying with me, and just, like, asking a ton of questions. That's like, amazing. what does this term mean, and, like, how can I refer to, like, different people, and, like, what are all the letters in LGBTQ+. You know, like, he's so curious about it, and he wants to learn, and I think that's so great. And, like, he is an old straight white male, you know? So that's, like, the ideal way mm-hmm. for him to react, honestly. Um, and so culturally, I've just had the best experience because even I have not told my dad's parents yet. But when I told my mom's parents, I haven't seen them in person since time. And your mom is the mom Filipino. Is okay. Yeah. And so you're so, Lola, Lola. Yeah. They were like, okay, cool. Like, they really did not mind, like, at all. They just loved being in the loop. Wow. And I think that's great. And I'm, I'm so lucky. That's I've amazing. heard of, like, very different mm-hmm. experiences, yeah. and that's really tough, and I just feel super grateful. I mean, for me, in terms of that, I mean, I just remember coming back home, and my parents are old school from the Philippines, but my mom has always been more on the liberal side. So for me, I mean, being gay is already like, oh, you're gay. Okay, that's okay. And then when I start adding that other element of queerness, dressing in heels and all that, that's a whole new conversation, which they always put under the rag. And we can talk about religion too. You know, I came home one day and I said, Mom, I'm Buddhist, with my Lola, my grandmother, and she she was really upset. So I think in terms of intersectionality, we can't, you know, just ignore it and everything. For me now, every time I go home, I always have a dialogue of some sort to see where everyone in, in their live on pages so I'm just like connecting with them because I think that's what we forget sometimes that we're so busy 
what we're doing and then we don't get enough to like have this yeah. within our family because you know we're so busy doing the, our lives so mm-hmm. yeah. that's one thing that I'm seeing more and more changing now that we're voicing a lot of our stuff instead yeah. of like letting it rock I guess well I haven't I this one thing I haven't quite wrapped my head around that I maybe I'm scared about but also I've heard is that you know when you are gay and you're with the family it's just the comment what I'm scared about is them saying all you talk about is being gay and you know like I just I'm very like nervous about that one because like it's part of our lives and like you know like you said intersection like it, it, it will always be part of our lives Whenever I go back home, yes, it's always that, like, like you should, JP, like, you have to kind of gauge because I feel like when I'm not there, they are not around it. So they don't hear about people having boyfriends and, 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 you know, husbands and stuff. So when I do go back initially, sometimes I will hear my dad, like the first time when I went back, I definitely heard him try to like say uh, wife to his, like when Arjun gets a wife or something to his friends. Mm-hmm. And I was like, look. If you can't even, like, if you can't say husband, I'd love you to say partner. If you can't say partner, I'd love you to say nothing. Because that's a lie. Yeah. But courage, too. Because I just feel like yeah. now, and, and you know, there's that, I feel like in a lot of Asian culture, there's that honor of how we respect our parents and everything right. and do what they want us, you know, especially what they've done for us, for us. to be. You know, that's a whole new That's another podcast. Yes. And now, from time to time, there's more of that courage, like what you just did, you know? For them to just, oh, okay. But, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, right. being, on the, being on this podcast now, as small as it is, you know, the small moment. Small is big, bro. <laughs> I mean, the moment you put it, you know, if you, you know, once you put it on your Facebook and someone in your family listens to it, you know, right. it's going to make the difference. Right. Yeah. Right. And it's a huge deal. Right. And like, good for you, girl. <laughs> I guess if I were going to tell a story um, off what Arjun was talking about, um, this worry about your family thinking you're, all you're going to do is talk about gay stuff, which it is a fear, um, but it's really funny... I, when I was in the Philippines this last time, uh, two, this first time, I was there twice last year. Um, like I said, I went there, for, like, really open and, like, out. And it was the same time, season nine of Drag Race. So, like, I was, like, staying up at night waiting for it to go online illegally, like, da-da-da-da. <laughs> and for some reason, I, I so the, the head aunt, I guess you would call her, um, the oldest, she, like, was like, oh, we're going out, we're going out. I was like, where are we going? She took me to, like, some lip-sync drag cabaret show in the Philippines. Oh, my God. But they, like, sing. And I was like, I can't sing. And she's like, I know you can't sing. You're the lip-synker. I'm like, okay, I guess you are watching me, like, live. But, um, you know, this is something I want to bring up as we wrap up this sort of this last message. But, you know, I guess talking about family and workplace and, you know, being queer... I work in the restaurant industry, and I just started working at this new restaurant, a Korean restaurant. And not for nothing, it is a little bit more, uh, I guess, both in the um, 
aesthetic of the restaurant, a bit more esteemed, but also the people are a bit more demure. And I went in there like guns a blazing, and I found myself like really bonding with a lot of my coworkers, both Korean and the non-Korean ones, because I think what's really great about us as queer people, we've been through some type of dark time, some type, I don't want to say the word trauma, because, you know, whoever, you, you know, it's a loaded word, but I think we initially just live our life to love and, like, want to make everyone comfortable as possible. Mm-hmm. And like I said, like, next week is season finale of Drag Race, and I have my white, male, straight, co-worker, bartender, who's like, oh, next week's the finale? Let's go. I heard, what's the bar? on? It's like a sports bar that's like the gay bar. Uh, boxers. Boxers, like, oh, yo, I heard boxers, like, gets crazy. <laughs> you already taught me Vanjie, like, Vanjie. Oh, my God. So, I mean, have you, I mean, anyone else have, like, that really awesome interaction with, I guess, someone who isn't in their community? That's always fun. Like, white male doesn't, for some reason, connects with gay Filipino. That's always fun. Example of intersectionality. Okay, so I private bartend, so I do, like, a lot of caring events. And we have our our catering drag, which is, you know, all black in a suit. And it's always great. And then I live my true self there. Not in heels or anything, or makeup or whatever that is. But I'm always just me, and I always feel like... And everyone's just like, you know, we're in the food industry. We're always just like, yo, everyone. And that's one thing that I feel so close, because they just see me for who I am. And they follow me in social media, and, like, I see them, like, oh, and when they see me in that, and then they never, like, say anything. I mean, you know, granted, a lot of them are cisgender, straight, and everything. Mm-hmm. And even my boss, and they're just, like, the best. Mm-hmm. So I think that's one thing of what it is of being visible for them and like mm-hmm. seeing that like oh cool they see it they see it they get it I think that's super important like yeah. you, if if anything I hate this I hate this term but you're the representative for that little group it is yeah you know we're, they've never interacted with someone like you like I'm working all weekend during this pride so I was like oh I'm, guys I'm gonna like dress up on Friday and everyone's like oh my god I have to see this come through Come through, come through. I want to do like a rainbow wig slip, slick back. Ooh. But then I realized I have to hide the wig line, so I want to do rainbow <laughs> edges, baby hairs. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> That's going to be good. Who's doing your hair, girl? I could do it. All but... right. <laughs> Actually, Fluid Project is doing an all day event. So if you guys want to stop by there, they're doing a lot of get your nails done and everything. Look at me. I'm just Fluid Project. I'm plugging you guys. <laughs> <laughs> so they're doing that whole thing if you want to hang out there. Yeah, that's, oh, that's last year, I was actually <laughs> I'm part of the organization of Soka Gaka International, which is a, a Buddhism sect that they have here in Manhattan. So we chant Nam Myoho Renge Kyo. Uh, I did their pride last year and I never felt so free. And uh, like we had every type of people there and I thought that was very magical to just see everyone's faces and I'm like in this big Target skirt made out of garbage bags. Yes. <laughs> 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 yeah. Cut off with like, this big hat and just like, hello! And just, like music was pumping. Yeah. So, I guess I'm talking about a moment here. <laughs> <laughs> that was my pride moment last, last year but this year it's still unfolding. I don't know yet. Yeah, pride is going to be 
I feel like this year is gonna be crazy. Yeah, especially where we are and what. Like in the world, yeah. Like everyone's here too. I can fight. <laughs> By the way, this podcast is actually Peyton. The theme is Peyton. <laughs> Peyton comes out. Your own float. I'm here. Yeah, I don't even know what to expect. What are you most excited about? Like, what are you doing? I, I don't even know. Do you know who you're going with? No, I wasn't even going to go originally because, um, because I did not feel like I had like the right, you know, like I never had to go through like a specific mm. struggle in terms of my queerness, you know, like my coming out story seems like telling your mom, hey, can you pick me up some body wash at Target, you know, <laughs> like I felt I truly like my girlfriend's not going to be here, you know, like I did not felt like like I had a place of pride like not that like I was unwanted but like I felt like there were more people who deserved to like go and celebrate you know yeah do you like, know you, the reason you deserve it is because the fact that your experience was positive for other people who are afraid it l- at least lets them think and believe that their experience can be positive so in a way you are as small as you think it is it's a success story and that lets anyone else hope and dream yeah. for the success story. Yeah, you're already living your truth. So I mean, whatever celebration that you need to do, you've been doing it since you've discovered it. Yeah, and mm-hmm. this is just another way to amplify on what it is. To yeah, be your truth. Let's so. let's kind of wrap up around there. I mean, what I would want to do, since we did mostly talk about you know the celebration, and I did say it before, we do kind of all have a little bit of even if it's like an internal struggle you know, directly to anyone who's listening who is still figuring stuff out, what would be your advice from your experience? Uh, Don't be afraid of questions. Questions are good. When people are asking questions, they're not trying to attack you. They're just trying to understand and get to know you and be as supportive as they can be in whatever way that you need. Yeah, and I think I would tell myself if I was younger right now, like the good old cliche, it gets better. It just always gets better, um, and every and things will never be easy, but it will get better. <laughs> if it's easy, you're yeah. in the wrong place. <laughs> yes. mm-hmm. Mine is a famous quote by this Daisaku Ikeda, the one who found this Buddhism that, that I practice. It's called uh, "It's easy to accept, but the rest is uh, the rest is challenging." Hmm. Amazing. All right. I think that's it. Thank you guys. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you for having us. This was a good one. This was smooth. (laughs) They're about to blow up, y'all. Watch out. (laughs) Thank you guys so much for coming into the show today. And thank you for all our listeners for tuning into this episode of Dash American and listening to our stories. Uh, We encourage a continual discussion about culture and identity. And like we were talking about today, you know, it's all about sharing stories and, you know, asking each other what our experiences are so we can all get on a deeper connection on relationships with each other. And I guess that's it. Thank you guys. See you guys in two weeks for another episode of Dash American. Bye. Bye. Bye.